some of these kids have awesome ideas for different poses and stuff they can do. Like the guy asked me, he said, hey, I want to shoot a ball from the three top of the three point line. Like I want the ball going through the net as I'm turned away. So I turned, so he's actually turned away knowing he made the shot. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, let's figure this out. Was, they give you something you got to think through lighting setups like on the fly and figure out how you want to light this. Welcome to the Viewfinders Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Dargy. I'm a professional photographer based in Aberdeen, Scotland, where spring is, well, almost springing. This is the show where we discuss the art, craft and profession of photography with inspiring photographers from around the world. My guest today is Jason Sterling, who specialises in dynamic, off-camera flash portraits of high school sports teams. You've probably seen some of his viral behind-the-scenes videos on Instagram and TikTok. We'll meet Jason in a minute, but first, how's things? I'm doing good, thanks. Um, I had a wee busy spell, which I told you about last week. That's been followed inevitably by a wee quiet spell, but I did have this one challenging little job. Uh, I was asked to do a group shot with 10 people for a regular client. Any photographer knows that group shots are the worst. They're just really tricky to do well, to get everybody looking good, everybody well lit. You can just stand people in a line and point your flash up and do something very basic. I wanted to do something more than that, so I spent some time storyboarding how I could set out the group to create some shape and dynamic in the shot. I knew the space I'd be working in, I've been in there before, it's a big bright atrium in a modern office building and they have various little sofas, tub chairs and bar stools, so I used those to create variation and height in the shot. Once I decided on the overall shape, then it's about working out the lighting. Lighting a big group is tricky because people are spread across a large space. And to light a big space evenly, you need a lot of light and it needs to be far away. And to keep it looking soft and nice, you need even more light even farther away. Another way you can do it is to light everyone individually and composite them together in Photoshop. That's more fussy and more time consuming. so. I decided to get in the space really early, clear the area, set up my little arrangement and do some test shots to see whether I could do this in one shot or if I'd have to do the composite. I used my Elenchrome lights in two big octagonal soft boxes right next to each other up high to create essentially one massive light source. I moved the lights as far back as I could as the space would allow and did some test shots to see if it would work in one shot. And it did, it worked well enough. One problem was my lighting was reflecting in the windows behind the group. So at the end of the session, I shot a frame with no people in it and with the lighting switched off. So I had essentially a new identical background to composite the group into. So I've got one final image uh, with a group of 10, nicely posed, nicely lit on a clean background with no reflections. So. It worked well. Um, If I could do it again, I think I would do it slightly differently, but it really got me thinking about how challenging group shots are. I follow a couple of photographers who are just really, really good at group shots, um, and I'd love to talk to them about it. So look out for that coming up on a future episode. That's me. How about you? How's your photography going? I'd love to see. So why not connect with me on Instagram at Viewfinders Podcast? You can also check out the website viewfinderslive.com where you can find previous episodes with incredible guests like Craig Fraser, Scott Chathenio, Donna Krauss, loads more commercial photographers, landscape photographers, photojournalists and all other kinds of photographers from all around the world. While you're there, you can find out about upcoming Viewfinders Live events, visit the Viewfinders Bookshop and if you're feeling stuck with your photography, you could book a one-to-one coaching session with me. Finally, if you've been loving the podcast, you know what to do. Subscribe or follow on your favorite platform and drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to get the show up the charts on Apple, which helps more people who want to hear it to hear it. All right, my guest today is Jason Sterling, a professional photographer from Little Rock, Arkansas. Jason is best known for his dynamic off-camera flash portraits of high school sports teams. 
If you're on Instagram or TikTok, yeah, you've probably seen some of his viral behind the scenes videos, which gained millions of views. Follow Jason at Rocktown Media to see those. Jason also shoots weddings and portraits with his wife, Callie, and he teaches workshops around the USA. Our conversation touches on Jason's journey to photography, how he creates collaborative experiences with his clients, some of the technicalities and logistics around his shoots, and much, much more. It's a fascinating conversation with a creative, smart, and innovative photographer who I think we're going to see a lot more from in the future. Hope you enjoy this. Here's my conversation with Jason Sterling. Jason Sterling, welcome to the Viewfinders Photography Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Really excited to have this time with you. Um, I found you on Instagram a few months ago through your reels, which just popped up in my feed. And um, I spend, like most people, probably spend too much time watching reels on Instagram. But um, they're really cool, really creative. The reel is creative, but the work that you do is super creative as well. And um, I just thought they were, oh, you're welcome. I thought they were insanely cool and fun. And uh, I just thought I need to talk to this guy. So um, here we are. I loved what you're doing. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. I, I think what you do is it is it called seniors portraits? I do I, I do take photographs of seniors, but I do a lot of uh, team and volume work as well. Okay, okay. I was gonna for the audience because in the UK, like seniors portraits is not a thing. So I was okay. wanting to ask you to just define that just for the audience so that they can be in on what we're talking about. So tell okay. us what that really means. So for senior portraits, typically it's high school seniors. Uh, and they just have a portrait session just to themselves, I guess, to remember like their senior year, something for their parents to have just so they can have some cool pictures to look back on. And I specialize in sports and off-camera lighting. And so I incorporate all my like, off-camera lighting and doing just some cool like sports and action shots for them. Um, and now I also have like team and volume photography and typically that's photographing 12 to 20 players, uh, on most of my teams. Sometimes I have like cheer gyms, like cheerleading gyms, and they have 60 plus, sometimes over a hundred different athletes in those. But it, typically my team stuff is, um, like 12 to 20, 20 kids. So what's the culture around that kind of seniors thing is it like normal like everyone who has a kid who's getting to the end of high school it's just like mm -hmm. a normal thing that everybody does yes i would say just about every senior has some sort of like senior photography session it doesn't have to be sports related uh they can just do traditional like natural light kind of portraits whatever but uh yes i would say around here senior portraits is a huge huge thing okay and so the way that you do it is that is it quite unusual to have it so um, sort of dynamic and, and and lit the way that you do it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to provide something that was just completely different than what anybody around here was offering, and I try to incorporate my love for off-camera lighting and making something that was just com completely different that lo looks really awesome. Um, and so I, I incorporate a lot of off-camera lighting and just action. And then I try to uh, manipulate the background and try to make the image look almost surreal, um, I guess you could say. Uh, but I just wanted something that is, is different and that the kids really enjoy doing as well. Because I like to make it a, like an experience and not just like come get your photo taken. I want them to enjoy the experience of having their photo taken as much as they like the end product, like the end images as well. And I mentioned your reels as well. So just for people who are listening, obviously they might be in the car or walking the dog or whatever, might not be able mm -hmm. to see that. Um, could you just describe what typical of your behind the scenes videos looks like? Yeah, so I typically just have my phone with me and I set it on a stand. I try to get um, just my lights. Um, I try to get like me photographing my athlete or the senior and just kind of like what the background looks like, what you would normally get if you take a picture or a video with your phone, kind of what that looks like. And then I sync it up to where it, uh, whenever you see it with the flash fire, like in the photo, I sync it up to the actual image that's 
that's mm -hmm. from that shot with the flash firing. And so you get like what you would normally see with the phone and then the final image that's actually taken with camera and off camera lighting. Like these typically these are like less than 10 seconds long. Cool. And the, but they've been super popular or successful, right? Has that surprised you? Y yes, absolutely. I had this idea like two years ago when I made my TikTok. I originally started doing this for TikTok and okay. I just had an idea like what if I show behind the scenes like real quick, like like I said previously, like what it looks like on a phone and then like what an actual picture take or a picture looks like taken with a camera and off camera lighting. And my third TikTok that I posted, it got over 300,000 views and I was just hooked after that. Cool. Okay. Wow. I always, um, I'm always like telling myself like behind the scenes, it's part of work, you know, making those yes. Instagram clips or behind the scenes clips for my blog or whatever. But I, I never remember to do them. Almost never remember to yeah. do them. I've got the tripod with me and the little bracket and everything that I need. Mm -hmm. But then once I get going and setting things up, it's like the last thing on my mind. So well done for, <laughs> for having a better memory yes. than me. Yeah. It, it was, it was tough getting that going at first and <laughs> just remember, like remembering to do that. But now it's just habit. I have my phone there. I just hit record for, for just several different shots at each session. Okay, cool. Okay. That's a frame of reference for people listening then. I like to go back to the beginning. You're in, uh, am I right to say you're in Little Rock, Arkansas? Yes, that's correct. Cool. Did you grow up there? Or is you, are you like a Little Rocker or whatever? What do you call people who come from there? Yeah, just, uh, just Arkansans, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, Born and raised in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And do you remember when you became interested in photography? Was it like a camera or a mm -hmm. photo you saw or a relative was into it? I um, I was like 13 or 14 years old. And then one of my classes in high school, one of the options to do for a project was you could do a video, like a short video, like for your project. And I didn't have a camera or anything, but my grandma had a camcorder. So it had like the tapes and stuff in it. And she mm -hmm. let me borrow her camera. And like, I was hooked on it after that. And I got hooked on it so much that she actually ended up giving me that camera. And I did video stuff all the time just for fun. I begged my parents to let me get an Apple computer just so I could edit movies and stuff on it. Uh, mm -hmm. And when it came to my like senior year in high school, I begged my parents to let me transfer schools to go to a school that had a TV and media program. And so they, they let me transfer to a different school. That's just like across town. It wasn't too far away. And since I did that, I uh, ended up going and getting a degree in digital filmmaking oh, at cool. uh, university of central Arkansas. And I got started actually taking photos because of, my wife uh, met her in while we were in college and she was on the yearbook staff at the university we went to and she got me like kind of into taking pictures uh, okay back on yearbook staff and we started our like business in 2010 while you're we still in college okay cool so was your intent to go on to be like a filmmaker or something or what were you thinking at the time at the time, yes, I, I originally wanted to be a narrative filmmaker and mm -hmm. do something along those lines, but our business just kind of took off here while we were in college, like taking photographs. And so we just went with it. And so when you started out then, what did you start out photographing? We started doing just normal like family sessions, um, do some weddings. We've been doing weddings since 2000, 2010. Um, and then I started doing freelance work for a local paper here and I got to cover high school sports and of course, high school sports around here are huge, especially football. And that's, uh, not, not the, it's the American football. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, uh, I got to cover sports that way. And then I met a lot of contacts, players, coaches, faculty members from different schools, by working at the paper. And then I had one coach ask me, Hey, I know you're a photographer. Do you mind taking some pictures of my, of my team coming up? We got all new uniforms and stuff. And he knew I did video as well. So I did a promo video for him and did pictures and that was in 2013. And that's kind of how I got started. And then like, we did the same thing next year. The next year I really kind of planned out what I wanted my pictures to look like. I did some research on how I wanted to get the pictures 
to look. I wanted a dark background. I wanted some kind of like smoky stuff in the back. And I tried to research and play with it to figure out how I wanted it to look. And that's kind of how I got my look for a lot of my image with images with a dark background. Like I use a fog machine for a lot of them. But that first session, I used baby powder in the background. Okay. And oh, cool. It looks cool, but it makes a mess. <laughs> so right at the beginning you you had a strong sense about the style and the look of those pictures mm -hmm. i was wondering who your influences were or if you had any influences around your lighting or your style i don't know if i had like any early influences i just kind of had a thought on how i wanted my pictures like to look like and of course just like every other kid who grew up here they always saw all the nike and adidas ads with all the cool pictures of athletes then so of course i, I saw several of those I'm like i want to do something kind of similar to this and i kind of kind of went from there and kind of developed my own style a lot of things that i like to do with my sports pictures i like to look at in-game photos from like famous athletes and stuff and then sometimes i'll try to like replicate like the in-game kind of action stuff and then do but then do it in a photo shoot setting was that instantly being into seniors or was it more like for the sports team? Um, we've always done seniors and kind of incorporated it with our uh, first like business is called Sterling Imageworks Photography. And uh, the more and more I did the sports, the more I kind of like incorporated that with, with seniors as well. Okay. So that wasn't an original thing with the seniors. Our seniors typically, like, they used to be just like all natural light portraits. Mm -hmm. I, I think what I'm getting at is, I guess when people think of uh, of seniors portraits, high school seniors, there might be a particular thing that comes to mind. And I guess what you're doing is not, doesn't look like that um, for your sports photographs anyway. So I was wondering if there was any resistance towards that, if people just didn't get it, or did you find people just loved it straight away or any internal resistance about, you know, I don't know, is this, are people going to mm -hmm. like this? How was that part of the journey? Uh, I think, I know, of course, parents typically like the, just your general traditional style senior portraits. And at first I would say the kids were way more interested in it than like your parents were. And ultimately it's the parents who are purchasing the photos as well. Yeah. But as, I would say over time, like, everybody seemed to be getting more and more interested in that kind of style. Okay. I'm always interested when people do something that's a little different, if they had to break through something themselves to give themselves permission to do it that way or, or those kind of um, resistances that we can have to our own ideas. But um, yeah, I can imagine the kids loving being in that style and seeing themselves in that style. So yeah, why not? Okay. Let's look at the sort of business side a little bit, if you will. Mm -hmm. I want to look at how you work. And if we zoom out, um, and we'll talk about how you shoot in a few minutes, but okay. I wanted to get an overview of the sort of client's journey from inquiry to sort of end when they've got their pictures. Um, is, it, is it the school that brings you in? Or like, how does how does it start? For the most part, like for, for my team images uh, and volume work, it's typically like a parent or sometimes a coach that will contact me and reach out and ask about pricing and how all of that works. Um, the schools I get, I would say maybe it's only a 10% of, of my bookings actually come directly from the schools. Most of the time it's from a parent, a player, sometimes a coach, but the coach is like not, it's not reaching out to me on behalf of the school. It's just like wants to photograph their team, say the coaches coach for softball or something like that. They'll re reach out just for that specific sport. Okay. And then I'd give them all the information, you know, like how much the, the cost breakdown and everything is. And then, so once you get the go ahead to go into the school, presumably you have to just make the make the date and, and you come up with, do they give you sort of how many kids are going to be there and mm -hmm. how does it work sort of logistically on that side? Yeah, so I, I, for my team stuff, I offer a discounted rate per kid and each kid gets like three three poses and like a minimum of three digital images with my package. So it's not like a huge senior session or anything, but uh, I do require a minimum of 12 kids 
or a minimum price to actually do the do the photo shoot. But most of the time I have at least probably 15 kids who want okay. to do, do the photo shoot. So it's having the minimum is usually never, never an issue. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because you're obviously going in to set all that up for one or two people. It, it's, that doesn't really make sense. So, yes. Um, okay. And so the deliverables are, are digital images. Is that right? Then nowadays? Yes. Yeah, so in my early days of doing team and volume work, I would, um, do the photo shoot beforehand and then hope and pray people would buy, buy either digitals or prints after the fact. And then I quickly realized everything was changing. I guess it was back in 2007, 16, 17. Nobody wanted to buy prints and everybody, all they were interested in was digital. So I kind of mm -hmm. changed my whole business plan then. I'm like, we're going to get paid ahead of time. We're going to have a set price. And then when I'm done editing and I upload and deliver the photos, that's it. I don't have to, to worry about it. I get paid for my time and the photos and then everybody's happy. They get high resolution digital images with a personal print release to make prints if, if they want to. And they can post them on social media as well. Was that a difficult transition for you in any way? Because I know around the time there was a resistance from photographers to give away the files, you know, mm -hmm. there was that time and there was, I remember it being, I, I was doing some family stuff around the time and it was quite difficult to explain to people why you wouldn't want to give them the files and then you would I would then try to go the other way with the next customer and try and give them the files but then they wanted prints but did you have a similar experience or did people just get it they wanted the, the files and that was it I would say most of our clientele here would we're just interested in the files. Now that's completely different for our wedding side of our business where we like offer albums and prints and like, you of course want something tangible from something like that. But for the sports and seniors, I really didn't have any interest like in my location for prints, albums, just, I just wanted the digital files. And so that I just listened to our car client base and just went, went all digitals. Okay, cool. That makes sense. So it sounds like a quite a smooth journey then. You must have, uh, you've been at it for a while, obviously, but you've found ways to make that process as simple as possible for clients. Yes, absolutely. We, um, for the digital files, we, for teams and volume stuff, I just edit the pictures. I upload them all to one gallery. It's just like one team per gallery and they can just download their pictures directly from there. Okay. That's, that's such a dream for you as well, isn't it? Um, yes, the, the simpler the better. Let's go into the fun bit, the actual okay. shooting. So um, I don't know if we made this clear before, but again, for people listening, let's describe a typical uh, a photograph of yours. Yeah, I'll let you do it. I'll leave it to you. So just say a typical sports photograph of yours. What does it, How does it look and what does it sort of involve? Okay, so most of my sports photographs that I do, I have between a three and four light setup for most of my images. Sometimes I use five different lights. Um, almost all of my shoots require a 30 to 40 minute setup. Um, I'll, I'll start with the like still poses, the ones that you look at the camera first, or just something that's in the same general area where they're not moving around a whole lot where I don't have to move my lights any and do like a completely different setup. So I'll do all those poses first and then we'll start moving around and doing like action shots. So this is, later, later today I have to go to have a soccer photo shoot. Um, and so we'll do all the still kind of photo shoot or still photos first, maybe like juggling a ball or something, staying in the same spot, of course, like holding the ball or something, looking at the camera, all the basic stuff. And then we'll go to like keeper wants to do one diving for a ball. We'll have a completely different setup. I'll have to move all my lights over to the, okay. to the goal and set something up there. If we want to do like a kicking shot, I'll have to do some different setups there. So I typically save all those action shots and group the kids together who want to do similar poses. And I'll group them together. That way I don't have to keep moving lights back and forth like the whole shoot. Mm -hmm. So um, I do the way I do mine. It's not a typical kind of volume shoot because I do all the effects. I'll use like the smoke and all that stuff. And I'll, I'll take my time with each kid just to make sure I, they get the shot that they want. So I, for I think to, tonight, they said they'll have like 15 kids or something. That's probably going to take me 
two hours, two and a half hours, just depending on what all everybody wants to do. And I'm happy to get the staying, like get the images that they, they want to have. Yeah. That's, that's not bad really. If you can do 15 people in that time with moving things around, I mean, that's, that's pretty fast. I was wondering, it will be different, obviously, depending on the sport, but I was wondering about where your ideas come from, um, because I don't know how much you have a set bunch of ideas mm-hmm. or how much is collaborating, because it could be quite an exciting environment. Mm-hmm. I guess people have ideas. So how does that part go? So I do have my set ideas like for sports. And I mean, I've been doing this for a while, so I, I have a, a ton of ideas and poses for each sport. But it never fails. These these kids now they all have some like crazy ideas and they want to do it. I'm like, if you want to do it, we'll we'll make it happen. Uh but more times than not, when I go to a photo shoot, they'll have images already saved on their phone and say, Hey, I want to do something similar to this. I'm like, All right, cool, let's do it. Yeah. Cool. That makes it easy for you, I, I guess. You can just Yeah, see it, it it makes it it makes it really easy. And like if you if you listen to like the kids from your photo shoot they're gonna some of these kids have awesome ideas for different poses and stuff they can do like or group shots with one or two other other athletes Mm -hmm. so what was um can you think of uh, something recently that was an idea that a kid had that just was like well that's that's totally cool it worked out yes uh shoot i actually did this year for for basketball the uh the guy asked me he said hey i want to shoot a ball from the three top of the three-point line but I want to shoot it and turn away and have my arms held up. Like I just made the shot. Like I'm like, I want the ball going through the net as I'm turned away. So I turned, (laughs) so he's actually turned away knowing he made the shot. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, let's figure this out. So uh, I kind of thought through it in my head. That's another thing. Like if they give you something, you got to think through lighting setups, like on the fly and figure out how you want to light this. So I knew like you'd have to light him like, way behind like the three-point line and then the, the basketball goal is like closer to you so i wanted to use like a longer focal length for that to get a little bit of compression so he doesn't look super tiny in the background so i wanted to light i lit him from the sides just so he can see his arms coming up and it lit the fog and stuff kind of behind him and then i had to put another light on the goal but i had instead of him actually shooting the ball i had someone else closer to the goal actually shoot the ball and so I had him shoot it. The the guy who's in the photo was turned away. And, and so when the ball went through the net, I just I snapped it. It took like two tries to, to get it. But now anytime I have a basketball shoot, everybody wants to do that, that shot. Yeah. And then, yeah, I was going to ask like how many angles and whatnot you do. You're shooting three looks for each person. It's what? How does that usually break down? Do they want to have three different dynamic shots or is that not really possible so uh, on my uh that the package for the the digital files stuff the thing that everybody gets they get three poses so they get two still poses which is going to be two still poses in the same kind of position with the same lighting setup and then they can have one action shot which is a different completely different lighting setup okay okay so two different setups for for each kid okay okay sorry and then there's there's other shots which I thought were so... There was one I saw on your website, I think, where it was the volleyball team. And you had the net, the like the volleyball net coming down into the foreground of the picture. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a really cool way of adding depth and just making the picture a lot more chunky that, again, I just probably would never have thought of. <laughs> Oh, so that that was uh, one, another idea from one of the, the kids that I was photographing from a team like two years ago. They said, we want to take a picture with the net. I'm like, okay, let's figure out how we can make this look cool. They said they wanted to like hold it around them. And so I kind of took that idea and went with it. And I'm like, all right, well, what if I did kind of a wide angle from the floor and use some like leading lines, kind of like having the net kind of lead up to them and then kind of drape over their shoulder going back the other way. And then I had a couple that had it draped on them just like a cape but then i had the ends of the net coming almost into the camera so i'm just trying to add some some kind of like lines in in the shot to kind of make it not all over the place kind of look somewhat symmetrical and then of mm-hmm. course i added in my like three or four light setup with, with those as well so 
three or four lights can sound like a lot depending where your experience is with lights but I can see how well I know how you can just things your setup can just grow you know (laughs) is that a problem that you've had to try and stay sort of manageable with the amount of gear that you bring and the setup that you do Yes, yeah, so most of my shoots are on location, so I want to make sure that everything is portable and I can make it back and forth like from my car to where I'm shooting in no more than two trips. Okay. Uh, right now, I kind of have it down to where I can just use make it in one trip because I have all my lights in a Pelican case with all my batteries and gels in there. Then I have a, a case with all my stands in it. And it has that, that case also can fit my uh, umbrellas in it as well. It's like a think tank stand manager or something case. It's I actually just got it. It's awesome. It fits like two C stands, four like smaller stands, the base, and then like three umbrellas in it. It is fantastic. Um, and then I have my fog machine extension cords and I have a couple like long throw reflectors that I'll bring as well. And so I have a cart that I can just wheel around. And so I just have my backpack with my actual camera and lenses, the wheelie case, the Pelican wheelie case with um, my lights in it, and then the stand case. And I throw the stand case in the wagon with like fog machine and extension cords and reflectors. Okay. So is that like a folding cart kind of wagon? Yes. Yes. Yeah, cool. I just got one of those. um, I had a job in Edinburgh. I'm from Aberdeen, so it's a couple of hours away. And I, the office that I was going to was in the city centre, but they didn't have a car park nearby. My car's full, you know, and I go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, so I, I just messaged them, like, can I just pull in at the front of the office? And like, no, you can't do that. So the nearest <laughs> car park wasn't far away, but it was far enough. Um, so I figured I had to, how am I going to get around that? So I got this cart. It's like the best thing in my kit, it's like my favorite piece of kit that I have. It's just such a lifesaver, um, especially as I'm getting getting a bit older. So now that card is definitely a lifesaver. <laughs> uh, I use it for everything, and it, it's especially when you go to the ballparks and baseball fields. Sometimes the field that you're given for those shoots is five or six hundred yards away, or even more, maybe thousand yards away from from your car. And so it's it's a lifesaver not having to go back and forth to your car and carry a bunch of heavy equipment. Yeah. So just to stay on the lighting and stuff, it's really good fun to play with lighting. I enjoy it. Um, So you'll have main light, you'll have back lights. You've got other different lights that you can incorporate into the shot if you want to. And you've got a fog machine on the go. Um, One of the problems I have is like continually adjusting things. Mm-hmm. like it's my my own worst enemy in this sometimes because I'll set things up and it's it's pretty good but I just always want to go back and forth to the light stand and just make little changes yes. you're doing different setups as well is that something that you have an issue with or are you quite like by with the experience you have maybe you're just like boom 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 and you can get it done that that's kind of what I do I set my backlights up I typically have two backlights when I do my shoots and I have my backlight set up so I don't really have to make any adjustments with them because I use uh, 14 inch by 60 inch um, strip boxes. So they're pretty, pretty big. Now I do make adjustments on my key light in front on my C stand all the time. If, if like from person to person, you're going to have a lot of height variations. And then if some person wants to turn one way or another in that same, same setup, I'll move my light over depending on which way they kind of want to turn and mm-hmm. stuff. And so my, when I say I have a four light setup, I have two backlights, I have a key light and then a fill light. Mm-hmm. So that's my basic four light setup. Okay. I was wondering like how okay. you stop these sessions from sprawling. Do you know, like people will always have another idea and it's, it's good fun to do this kind of work. Yes. Not like corporate headshots where people don't want to be, they don't want to be there. Yes, but I guess sure. with this kind of stuff, kids are into it. Right. And even for yourself, like you're enjoying it. Right. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I love doing this kind of, kind of work. Um, it, it can be tough, uh, trying to limit their poses cause they always want to do more than like the three poses. If I have time, I don't mind doing a couple extra poses, but it, generally I have 15 to 20 kids and we're all trying to get everything done in a somewhat timely manner. 
And so I have to limit them just on their three poses. Now, one thing I have started doing the past couple of years is they know exactly what one pose they want to do is like, all right, come over to your one pose. Go think about what you want to do for your other, other couple poses. And then we'll let somebody else come up and take their, take their picture. So that kind of helps speed things along too. <laughs> so if they know what they want to do for like one shot or two shots, then they can go like look at their phone or ask their friends kind of, what should I do for my next shot? Mm-hmm. You've been so thorough and helpful in your answers. So you've answered most of my questions, but I was wondering about keeping it creative because I, I just see your work and I'm, and the way you shoot and the way you do the videos it just seems like endless ideas but it's i was thinking it's easy to have a groove right you can be in your groove Mm -hmm. and you have your go-to things that work but then that can become a rut you know after time for sure and so are you always like i would be lying in bed thinking of ideas are you like that or do you just oh for sure quite inspirational in the moment uh, I can be, uh, I, I like to plan stuff out <laughs> ahead of time and not like have spur of the moment ideas and try to figure it out on the spot. Unless somebody asked me for a specific shot, then I need to figure it out on the spot. So I do like to plan out my shots and kind of figure out what I want to do. Um, I have several shoots throughout the year that are promotional based for, uh, either like a couple teams that have hired me just to do promotional stuff for their social media, or I have a DJ that I take pictures of every year. And we always brainstorm on the phone and FaceTime, try to come up with some cool ideas like this, this uh, last year for his, his promotional shoot, we actually did some uh, practical effects using fire. We just lit with the uh, thing on fire, put it on his DJ board and like lit on fire for half a second and it went out. Cool. And that, that video went crazy on uh, Instagram. Usually uh, we do the gear round later on, but I think it's appropriate to do it now. So let me ask you uh, about the camera and lens that you use, and then we'll talk about your lighting gear after that too. All right. So um, my camera that I use, I use a Nikon Z9, and my favorite lens to use for that is the uh, 24 to 120 f4. Uh, I stick between that and my 70 to 200. Okay, and I can imagine with the 24 to 120, you can just do most things that you're doing with that, right? Probably 90% of the photos that I take can be done with the 24 to 120. Brilliant. And then I would never ask this because I always say I'm not interested in talking with people about aperture settings, but are you shooting sort of f8 kind of thing or where are you at yes f8 f8 to f11 is where i stay for most of my sports photos okay okay um i'm such a nerd i could tell so um yeah well i was just talking to i'm gonna drop a name because i can i was talking to joe mcnally and uh, he's using the z9 i would say z9 um -hmm. so that's a bit of a, a beast by the looks of it how are you getting on with that camera it is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I love it because I, I, I shoot live action sports as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some state championship basketball games to shoot later in the week. And this thing is crazy. You can turn it up to shoot 120 frames a second if you put it in DX crop mode, or you can shoot 20 frames a second at uh, full resolution raw files, which is 45, 45 megapixels. And it's just absolutely crazy. I, t- I typically for live action i keep it at 10 to 12 frames a second you can dial it down and go to three frames a second or one frame however you want it and go all the way up to 20 yeah i guess at some point you just you get too many photographs right so absolutely yeah uh 10 to 12 is my my sweet spot for for the live action but when i do my sports portrait work i put it on like two frames a second because i only get like one shot per flash firing because the it take, I shoot with a, a semi-high power with my off-camera lighting, and so it takes a second for the strobes to cycle. Okay. The two things that we've spoken about, the, the sports photography th- that we've mainly been talking about, but the uh, live-action sports, a completely different way of, of doing photography, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
and so does the autofocus and ISO performance of that camera must be really helpful for those situations. Absolutely. So I'm going to say the autofocus and eye detection autofocus on this camera is a game changer. Uh, that is one of the reasons why I actually went with this this camera. I've always been an icon shooter, uh, but I wanted to get something with a really, really good autofocus. And so, like I was saying before, I get one shot attempt when I'm taking my portraits. Mm-hmm. And so when you have an action shot of somebody, say, diving towards you or, or doing something that's semi-fast pace, you want to nail that autofocus or you want to nail your focus and you don't have to keep redoing the shot. This thing can track somebody's eye like coming directly towards you and you take the picture of everything. It's just spot on in focus. I don't, that's one thing I don't really have to worry about is getting a shot in focus. Also, shooting at F8 to F11 helps as well. Yeah, for sure. Let, let me ask you, what camera did you use before the Z, Z9? I had a Z6 II. So I got, I got that right as uh, it was released a few years ago. And then before that, I had a Nikon D810. Okay. I never normally ask so many questions about cameras, but okay. um, I'm, a, I'm probably about to get a Z7 II or a Z8 if it comes mm-hmm. out um, soon. But um, it's the, I, the thing that's bugging me, the only thing that's bugging me about the D810 is the, the eye detection. Because I, 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 I know that you can get better eye detection now, and that's that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like upgrading cameras for the sake of it. So... Okay. Do you have a, like a, a brand of lighting that you prefer? Uh, yes, I do. I'm actually a, a top pro for Westcott uh, lighting, so I use all all of their lighting. It's the Westcott FJ 400s. Okay. Uh, they're all 400 watt lights. They're uh, high speed sync compatible, and they're all uh, battery powered. So when you're on location, there's no running extension cords. The only extension cord that I use that I mentioned previously is for the fog machine. Right. Yeah. It's kind of kind of hard finding a uh, self-contained battery pack that'll power a 1300 watt fog machine (laughs) and and so you have to work those lights pretty hard i would imagine so do they have like a built-in battery or is it like you change it out kind of thing Mm -hmm. yes they have they have a battery that can be taken out uh so you can change them during your shoot okay um if i'm not using high speed sync so if i'm shooting in the evening or if i'm shooting with just like an nd filter um I can get through almost a two and a half, three hour shoot shooting at three quarter power on my lights and not have to change a battery. Now, if you're using high speed sync, of course, that's going to drain your battery a lot faster. But you only use that when you need to, presumably. Um, Yes. So if I'm having, you can capture most actions, say like a soccer player juggling a ball or even just kind of a basketball player dribbling a ball, moving left to right, you're going to capture most action um, just not using high speed sync and just using your regular like one two hundredth of a second flash sync speed. Because flash does freeze most most motion. Now if I have someone dive for a ball or running past me, I'm gonna use high speed sync just to avoid any any motion blur. Yeah, okay. Let me ask you, I um I, I saw that you've got um uh, some tutorials and workshops coming up. Um mm-hmm. can you talk about that side of things? Do you see that um growing for you? Yes, the demand and the interest in the in-person workshops is just phenomenal. Uh, Brad Deal, the guy I work with with, for the workshops, we released one uh, on Saturday. It sold out in an hour. Oh, cool. So we offer offer 20 spots per workshop. And so we have 10 people will come with me for like, we we do indoor and outdoor sports. And so we'll both be doing, I think for this workshop, we're gonna be doing football, soccer and baseball. So in the morning we'll be doing football, but in an indoor facility. And 10 people will come with me and do my like two setups we have. 10 people will go with Brad and do his his, uh, setups. And then after an hour and a half, we'll switch. And so they can get pictures with each of us in each different setups. And then in the afternoon, we'll have a completely different setup outside for uh, baseball and softball and we'll do the same thing in the afternoon okay now my online lighting course that i offer is it's a mini course it's about a little over 20 minutes in length and it just breaks down my lighting setup my like what lights i use what modifiers i use what settings that i uh, have my lights at where i position them 
and where you need to set up, like if you're in an indoor facility or if you're outside on a field, how to achieve a dark background look in your photos like I, I get uh, in my, most of my images. Um, I've had several people ask me, like, well, why don't you shoot outside in the daytime more? Well, it's people book me and they want to do that dark nighttime look with, with the smoke. It's it's really popular. So that that's kind of like how my, how my tutorial, tutorial is. Uh, I'm planning on in a couple of weeks, I actually have it scheduled with my videographer that we're going. We're going to be doing some in-person uh, photo shoots. We're going to be just filming three or four more tutorials. Okay. I can see that if you want if you wanted to being a really good thing for you obviously there's a lot of interest in the work you've got a great way about you so yeah i hope that develops for you thank you thank you okay i'll put a link in the show notes for all that stuff and presumably you have to be in the arkansas kind of area or how do you, do you see that going to other places oh so so the workshop we actually have one at img academy in florida in january and we have one in Virginia that sold out in July, one in Arkansas that is it's sold out for July. And we are going to be announcing shortly, we have another one coming up in October that's going to be in Indiana. Okay. So all of them are in the, in the, in the United States, but we're doing them all over the country. This brings us to a round called Double Exposure. I'm going to ask you about one of okay. your pictures, which is a favorite of mine, and then I'll throw okay. it back to you to ask to tell me about one. You can't ask me about one. Uh, I have okay. the questions. So, um, yeah, I wanted to... There's a few that I've looked at. There's this one of this kid diving towards the base, I think. I don't know what you... I don't know anything about baseball. Okay. I'm calling it a base. Um, it's just so cool. The dirt is kind of flying up, and his face is like... Mm -hmm. strained with his two hands out in front of him but i wanted to ask about the baseball bat on fire that's yes. a really cool shot so um what can you tell me about that a shot with a where a baseball bat is on fire so i do offer a tutorial on how to do like the practical effects for the uh for the the, the fire and i've done it on the baseball bat i've done it on like a soccer ball and i had some girl hold a softball and we did it on the softball it's really safe to do um it it lights and it goes out in like half a second and mm -hmm. it's really nothing flammable in the sol in the solution and stuff that i use it's what's like inside the bubbles that's that's flammable um and so that just goes out like really fast so um <laughs> i saw something that came up on i think it was youtube or maybe instagram something maybe about a year ago and uh, it was just an elementary school science experiment <laughs> on, okay. how, on how to make it. And <laughs> cool. that it, it was just like on how it was just how to make uh, flammable bubbles. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I can really kind of expand on this and I could probably use it for my sports photo shoots. And so I, I, I had a, a kid and I asked him if it's okay, if I like tried it out and it worked great, worked exactly kind of how I wanted to. I messed around with doing it like in my backyard. Like I even held the stuff in my hand and did it. Like it's, it's completely safe. Now don't recommend doing it if it's windy because it's, it's fire. You don't want it blowing like in your face or anything. And then I typically don't do it for larger teams. I, I try to keep that for like my individual sessions because I have more time to work with them. And when you only get three poses, it's in trying to get everything done on time for these team sessions it's kind of hard to do the fire yeah fire stuff for those okay so in the shot the one that i'm looking at the the girl has the baseball bat sort of pointed out in front of her and the, mm -hmm. the end of the bat's on fire it's really really cool so it's a matter of the you get the person lit and everything's posed and composed and everything and then you just have to make sure that you shoot on the point yes. of the flash of the ignition yes of the so thing, right? It just so happens when I was testing this out, I realized that my normal settings and like flash settings and camera settings that I use are also perfect for capturing flames when they come up because they're not overexposed. They actually cool. look better. There's not, not white or anything in the middle and you can actually see the flame. So it, it actually just worked out very easily for me. So there wasn't a whole lot of trial and error going on there. I took a picture just a couple of times. I'm like, all right, that was really easy. Okay, cool. Perfect. There's one more I want to ask you about because one of my favorite photographers is Howard Schatz. I don't know if you've heard of this guy and um, mm -hmm. big hero of mine. And I was lucky to have him on the podcast a while ago. 
And so you've got these uh, swimming shots where the the water is kind of being, um, I don't know, it looks like it's bouncing off the, the, the athlete, I guess you would say. And it just really reminded me of uh, Howard Chat's picture of Manny Pacquiao. It's not, he's not mm-hmm. being, having water thrown at him. It's like he's having sweat pop off him as he flexes like this. And it's yeah. just one of my favorite pictures. It's totally awesome. But there's a, this one that you have of a swimmer. It's a, a teenage uh, girl or young lady. And like the way, I saw the behind the scenes video, the way that the, the water comes in from the side just moved her hair. And it just yes. makes the shot so perfect. Can you talk about that picture? Yeah, so I've done the water shots for, for a while. I think my first one that I did in this manner was like in 2015 when I when I did this um, originally. But the one I, that you're referring to is the shoot I actually had in January. Um, it's just my, I have th- three lights for this, two backlights, two, two rim lights, and then a key light in front. And then I have some... <laughs> always willing volunteers to splash water on, on their <laughs> fellow teammates. And so I just have the water coming from both angles. It just, just so happened that they kind of missed the spot that I told them to hit. Cause I never tell them to try to aim up high. I always tell them to aim a little bit lower, but it just so happened the way that the water hit, it just hit her hair and blew her, like moved her hair out of the way, like just the perfect time. And it, it looked, awesome mm-hmm. that rarely ever happens it's uh, it's so hard to actually get those splashing shots and uh get them to look right it takes probably five or six tries for each kid to get the timing right because you have a lot of variables going into it you have two other athletes trying to throw the water on the person at the same time and then you're trying to when trying to get the right timing where the water hits because you want to get it right after it hits and it splashes everywhere you don't want to wait too long or get it too early so that was just a um fluke i guess you could say with, <laughs> with the hair going like that um because that that really never happens i think that was that was the last attempt i think we did four attempts before that to get her shot mm-hmm. like i was thinking about that what how you've just described that and it's a lot for you to manage as the photographer but then in amongst that the person has you ideally you want that person to be engaged and present and mm-hmm. she's doing this thing where her head is tipped slightly to the side mm-hmm. and she's just giving off this really cool attitude like I, I guess i mean is communicating directing individuals is, is that a big part of what you do Are you sort of intentional about that Oh yes, we. I, I try to ask them like kind of what look they want to go for for a picture. Then I kind of try to pose them and like move move them just slightly in different ways to kind of make the picture kind of look more dramatic or kind of more toward their liking how they want want the picture to look. And for the splashing shots, it's the first couple is really difficult because when the water hits them, they're always in shock because they're kind of cold when the water hits them. So the first couple tries are always going to be no goes. You got to redo them. Yeah. Uh, But after, after they get comfortable, then, then, then it's a a lot easier to kind of get them to kind of feel, feel like the pose and like the attitude that they want in the picture. Cool. Let me ask you then, Jason, is there a particular picture or maybe it's just like a shot that you do that is just like you love that, that's your trademark or maybe just a great experience that you've had in your photography journey? Here lately, I've really been enjoying doing like reflection shots. If it's um, like volleyball or basketball and we're in a gym and you may have seen it on some of the volleyball shots that I've done, but I'm a little ways away from the person and then they're actually looking away from the camera but their heads kind of turned to the side like they're looking off to the side or they're holding a ball to the side kind of looking down it's not a crazy pose it's not very difficult but the way that i light it i feel like it's really dramatic i typically light it from the sides or i have a light from behind illuminating the smoke and i'll I try to match the smoke color with the team color so i'll use different color gels with some off off camera lighting to match the team color my uniforms um but having that light coming in kind of from behind and their face is kind of lit from the side i come back away from that and put my camera directly on the floor and i'm probably a good i don't know 10 yards away maybe not 10 yards but maybe maybe close to 20 feet away somewhere around there and put the camera on the floor and then i get 
their uh, full body in the top part of the shot, and I get their reflection on like the gym floor with the smoke and everything around them. You can see their reflection like perfectly on the gym floor. And it all has to do with like off camera lighting where you place your lights and then also your camera angle, getting that camera like halt you. It's resting on the floor to get that shot. Those have been some of my favorites lately because I feel like it has more emotion in that picture than a lot of the other ones that I take. And it's just kind of one of my favorites. So did you come up with that one yourself? I did. I I do several different variations of this. I've had uh, basketball photos where they sit in a chair, kind of look to the side or kind of at an angle toward me. Uh, Kind of like I'll have the the, guy or girl in, in a chair looking down at the basketball, like they're just like in deep thought. And then having that reflection underneath them, I just adds a different element to the picture altogether. Is there like a best sport or like a favorite sport? Like if you know, you've got to shoot for a particular type of sports team coming up. Is there one that a type of sport that's like, yeah, there's a lot to get your teeth into or versus any that, you know, like mm, this might be less fun. I mean, I can get a ton of different shots no matter like what the sport is. I, I tend to have more of my crazy ideas in basketball photo shoots <laughs> than anything else and it's football I always come up with something crazy too um but it it just um it really just varies also like on the team and on the person kind of what what they want to do as well mm-hmm. as if it was just a one-on-one session we can do all the different poses and stuff if you that you want but when I do teams um a lot of the times the kids will kind of just piggyback off of uh, other, their teammates and say, oh, I want to do that same pose too. So I'm also limited to what each individual wants to do for the team stuff as well. Okay. Now, I, I will say there are certain sports that take a whole lot longer to photograph than other sports. Baseball and softball are probably the two sports that take the longest to photograph simply okay. because like when we do like the action shots, they always want a photograph at their position. Well, baseball softball field is large so i gotta move all around the field to get those different shots okay okay i wouldn't know the difference but anyway (laughs) uh, um it's so funny like baseball is huge in the states right it's just not a thing here Mm -hmm. at all isn't that funny okay this has been totally cool let's do the quick fire round to end with my quick fire round is called motor drive so okay wide angle or telephoto Ooh. Wide angle. Color or black and white? Color. I know you're a color guy. You ever do some arty black and white stuff? I do occasionally. Uh, I have I have a few sessions where I'm like, that would look really good in black and white. So I'll just throw some extra black and whites in there. Yeah, cool. Um, expensive lens cloth or the corner of your shirt? Corner of my shirt. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, what's a weird thing I could find in your camera bag or your camera kit? A weird thing. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't think I have anything weird in my camera bag. I have one of those rocket blowers in there to like clean off my lens and sensor. That's that's. Uh, I have I have some I have some stickers in there that I hand out. Um, I sometimes keep like a protein bar or something in there. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Cool. Stickers is good. I find everybody has something like, you know, you pick up your little habits and stuff over the years. Mm-hmm. So um, name a photographer we should all know about or your favorite photographer. Oh. I'm going to say probably my guy, Eli Infante. He's out of Texas. I actually really love his work. Uh, where he's also a Westcott top pro and I just I really love looking at all of his portraits. Okay, so what's the name again? Eli I N F A N T E is his name. Oh, okay. So what kind of work is it? it his is just uh mostly model portrait work. It's uh just the way he uses lighting and stuff is it's really cool. Cool. I'll check it out and I'll put a link in the show notes. What's your go to emoji? Oh gosh, <laughs> go to emoji. Um, I'm gonna look at my phone real quick and see what my <laughs> recent ones are. It looks like the uh, crying, laughing one is the one I use the most. <laughs> okay, cool. That's a good one. What's the, like the music scene like in Arkansas? What's the best Arkansas band or musician? Uh, 
Oh man, most of, most of the uh, bands and stuff from Arkansas are country music. Uh, I don't really listen to a, a whole lot of uh, country music. Uh, you could say probably uh, Justin Moore. He's a country artist from Arkansas. Okay, cool. We'll check it out. You've got the sort of, to me, a cowboy kind of accent. So, I, you know, <laughs> it would be okay if you just did some country songs. That would be fine. Um, when do you feel at peace with the universe? Oh, probably when um, my my wife and my son were up at our uh, lake house during the, during the summer. When we get to take like a couple weekends. My family has had a, a lake house. It's been in my family since the 70s. And it's not, nothing special. Just a small light lake house. It's, it's up the road from the lake. But I grew up going there. And then now I get to take my wife and my son up there. And we spend a couple weekends every summer up there. That sounds great. That sounds great. Thanks so much, Jason. This has been super fun. I like talking about lighting and stuff like that. Um, so I really enjoyed meeting you. Uh, super grateful for your time and all the best with them. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. So appreciate your time. Follow Jason on Instagram at rocktown.media and TikTok at rocktownmedia. Go to his website to see his fantastic photography and find out about his online tutorials and his upcoming workshops. Links to everything we spoke about are in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, check out my conversations with Monty Rackerson, Craig Fraser and Howard Schatz. You can find them on the Viewfinders website. Take care, enjoy your photography and I'll see you out there.